The Origins Of is a podcast about ancient wisdom, crazy myths, everyday objects, and overall the creativity and innovation of mankind. Join Jesse and Olivia as we delve into the why behind everyday origins. I'm Olivia. And I'm Jesse. I'm super excited about today's episode. And we are back with another new episode. <laughs> we are pet people. Today we're covering the domestication of cats and dogs, our yes. furry friends. So this is a topic that was on our list from when we originally conceived this podcast. It was one yeah. we knew we wanted to dig into um, to figure out why we let cats and dogs sleep Beasts. in our yeah. homes and and uh, eat our food and uh, lay on our couches and <laughs> stuff so yeah uh, I'm so excited and I'm I'm a dog person with two cats but you are a cat yes. person with three cats so I am you're doing cats not a dog person yeah. <laughs> I I'm love definitely dogs. doing cats <laughs> my story of how I come to have two cats is very long and entertaining but I have them, and so I must care for them. They're my responsibility, and I do love them, but... Just not as much as you might love a dog. Would I prefer a dog? I would. I grew up with dogs. I think dogs are awesome. I used to think I was a dog when I was, like, four. I used to have little dog books and, like, run around. Oh, yeah. We were Imaginary dog friends. Yes. Yep. I had this um, encyclopedia of dog breeds when I was 10, and I just... Oh, my God. I'm, like, I'm a dog person. At least you weren't, like, a horse girl. Oh, my God. (laughs) No offense to those of you who were. But. I mean, there's a certain type. I'm rewatching mm-hmm. um, Sex in the City. I don't know if you ever watched it. I've never watched it. Um, mm-hmm. Charlotte is a horse girl. She's like the the <laughs> mild um, kind of not not a prude necessarily, but she's like so shocked by everything. Like she's like the good girl. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like, there's an episode where she relearns how to ride a horse, and it's like, of course Charlotte's the horse girl. Like of yep. course she's the one that has horse yep. blisters. I will, I'm going to get us started with, with the domestication of dogs, dogs, which is crazy. And just to sort of start, the concept of, of early man inviting a dog into their homes is wild. I mean, if you just sort of stop and think about, you know, food is scarce, you're traveling, it's cold, you know, why, would, why did we stop and look around and say, hey, that thing right there? Because as we all know, this is super common knowledge, dogs came from wolves. They, they did come from wild beasts. Um, and to sort of kick that off, I'd like to actually um, talk about wolves themselves. Um, there are a lot of studies, and I, I threw all of these up on the, the website. Um, there's a lot of studies where people live with and train wolves. Um, and to train a wolf pup to be familiar around people, it takes 24-7 human time. And I mean that very literally. People rotate in shifts to sleep with the wolves, feed the wolves, pet the wolves, so that the wolf pups know that people are okay. It takes 24 hours for like the first, I think, eight to 12 weeks of their lives for them to And this be is okay. something that people currently do? Yes, this, this like, is okay. current. This is current. I just sort of wanted to talk about, you know, wolves in general so it's, you can understand like how hard it was to actually get wolves um, to be Well, I also want to cut in, um, if I may, I don't, yeah. I know, I think that we're going to overlap, <laughs> overlap a lot <laughs> on this topic, but I did a little bit of just basic research on the difference between domestic domestication and training a wild animal right right yeah so if you're going to talk about that then a I just little bit make sure it's like it, there's a i mean a tame like an elephant you can train to be tame around humans but it's not domesticated right. so, that is exactly what i'm getting yes. at actually okay, is, is i'm trying to sort of show illustrate through research that you can't just go out in the wild and train a wolf to be a dog. <laughs> be, like they live in your house. They will still tear your face off. Yes. So even these people, when the wolf pups are like teen teen wolves, they are <laughs> they are told. <laughs> <laughs> 
a, a literal actual teen wolf. Um, they are told not to run around the wolf, not to look it in the eye, not to make loud noises, because oh, even man. if you have raised that wolf pup from a pup, it will tear your face off. Like, it will turn around and bite you. So the concept Yeesh. of a dog is centuries of domestication. It is insane how like they are genetically different from wolves. Mm-hmm. Like they are not. And that's the main difference. Yes. Like there's something genetically different. Yeah. Once you can domesticate them, they've like broken yes. off from their They have broken off ancestors. so much so that they like mm-hmm. do not, if you find a wolf pup, do not think that just because you care about one and you you raise it that it's suddenly going to be a dog. They, they still have their wild animal tendencies. Um, dogs even have different stomachs for wolves. Like they are so far gone from hmm. the actual wolf because they have to digest starches. Wolves yeah. do not digest starch because they go out and they hunt meat. True. Dogs have evolved to take table scraps and all of our True. bread and treats. And so they have a different stomach altogether. I'll so discuss can... that regarding oh, cats yeah. too. Cause yeah, they're dogs and cats. Yeah. There's yeah. differences. There's weird things that are the same. Oh, there's all kind of different. crazy yeah. stuff. Um, dogs have also evolved to notice human facial expressions which is the coolest thing ever because wolves can't do that like a wolf can't look at a human and kind of guess what they're doing but dogs have definitely evolved to like to know joy to know sadness which is why we breed them to be and why we call them man's best friend yes (laughs) but where did this all start well the earliest confirmed domestic dog anywhere was actually in germany um in germany in bonn oberkassel i have the worst german i never (laughs) took german i've never been to germany i don't so, Bonn Oberkassel, which has... Um, <laughs> you should just say that a few more times. <laughs> uh, which, they actually have a joint human and dog um, remain stated to 14,000 years ago. Like, that is how long okay. it has been. I was wondering. 14,000. Um, in my research, I was yeah. trying not to... Re- like, inevitably, you they start bringing in dogs. Right. And, and I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to look at that. I avoided all the I'm, yep, I'm not going to look at that, so... yeah. So here's a really interesting thing. Enter Gregor Larson. He is the frontier scientist on dog genetics and research. Prior to Greg Larson's research, um, researchers thought, okay, dogs, you know, were domesticated in Germany. Um, that's it. And then they got spread across the rest of the world. And then they um, continue to be domesticated to different types of dogs, blah, blah, blah. Gregor mm-hmm. came in and he was like, hey, ah. Guys, I noticed something. So I'm going to try to illustrate this the best way I can. So let's say you've got a dog or wolf, for example, and wolves are starting to be domesticated at point A, right? It means you're going to start finding the older dog bones at point A, right? And then as dogs expanded across continents, you'd find newer bones, right? At point B and C and D. With different genetics? Or right, we different don't genetics, okay. different mm-hmm. bones, structures, different everything, right? We found in point D over in Asia dog bones that were very old, almost the same age as the dog bones that were found in Europe. So Gregor was like, hey, um, that's impossible. Either they had to be domesticated separately or they one old dog traveled really, really, really <laughs> far, which is not possible. So Gregor brought about this theory that dogs were actually domesticated twice, multiple times, several times. Dogs have been domesticated. Oh, like domesticated and then forgot? Yes. And then like re-domesticated? <laughs> There's a couple of points in history Ooh. where dogs have actually been re-domesticated, um, where they were getting there and not close. But then also similar to our Dragons episode, which is our very first episode, they were domesticated 
the same time across across the like, world um, yeah separately from other Each people's other. like yes was having independently yep mm-hmm. so there were dogs in europe well modern day europe old like kind of eurasia yeah. um and then there were dogs in actual asia the really cool thing about this is that when trade opened up and you know centuries 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 go by the european dogs eventually would go visit the asian dogs and they had the dominant genes and they started breeding with all the asian dogs and now 90 percent of dogs today come from those european ancestors and only 10 percent of dogs come from the asian the asian wow. dogs yeah so there were two main yeah tra- uh, they call them tree branches yeah mm-hmm. like um domestications happening which makes sense if you think about well, you'll probably get to, but mm-hmm. like why we would domesticate them. They're mm-hmm. quite useful. They're, yes. They ended up being yep. useful. But yep. I just mean that if that's happening then independently, it would make sense that yeah. we have these different branches. That's <laughs> There's really so cool. many branches. When he did the genome, and he's actually awesome. He's got a cool website and a cool Twitter. Like I followed him. He's constantly posting new updates about oh, cool. findings and things and how, how they get into this. He actually started researching pigs, but it wasn't bringing in any money. Uh-huh. He was like, people would much rather me research dogs. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all this grant money I'm getting now. He actually still does research pigs because pigs are such a huge part of culture as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all over. But he was like, ooh, the, the, the big bucks are coming in from all the, the cute dog research. <laughs> Not necessarily all the pig stuff. So hmm. he um, he talks about if you put your finger behind your ear, you know, that big bone that like bulges behind yeah. your ear. It's called the petreus. It's a bulbous like knob of dense bone. It happens to preserve DNA super, super well because it's such a thick, meaty type of bone. Um, So most of like if you try to pull DNA out of a fossil, like most of it won't actually you can't find it. It's like too old and the bones are kind of fickle. But if you find a petreus, like it's like guaranteed you're going to pull some DNA out of it. It's like a hard drive of information. That's a great analogy. (laughs) It is a hard drive. Um, so they found a couple of dog bones that had that, that thing. So they have a really, really clear depiction of what that DNA looks like. So Larson, um, he compared all of these, he, he kind of, this is so funny. They mentioned this in the article. He actually sent out a bulletin to like all the other dog researchers and was like, Hey, I know I'm telling you, like, I'm telling you that you guys are wrong, but will you come have dinner with me? (laughs) He paid um, for everyone to go to um, a certain location. I can't remember what it was, but he paid for everyone to go like have like a a weekend getaway to look at his research (laughs) and and to compare. Cause he was like, you know, like I hate to tell you guys that I'm disagreeing with your theories that dogs only, you know, domesticated once and then put across, but like, look at these bones. Like this isn't, that's that's inaccurate um and apparently after some alcohol and some food everybody got along and so now we got a lot further in dog research um because everybody he's been like he has an open call for dog um dna so i think that's how research should work that's that's research at its best right where we're like hey can't we just discuss and then maybe come up with you know yeah, as we've seen the version, yeah. As we've seen an older podcast, like the wine episode, um, not the wine episode, I'm sorry, the cooking episode where that one researcher was like, hey, I've never literally seen any indication of this one restaurant existing. But everybody else is like, no, you're wrong. Like, Boo, I know, yes. I think a lot of it's so cultural, though. You don't want to let go of these theories that you've worked oh, so no, hard sure. on. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, um, so it's awesome. So you can actually go to his website. It's called Palau Barn. It's like paleo, but with an extra A in there. It's like P-A-L-A-E-O barn.com. And he actually produces really cool video that you can watch. It's like all animated and explains kind of where dogs come from oh, cool. in terms of Europe and Asia. Um, 
so yeah, he was saying about the it's called a gradation of fossils, um, where if 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 they came at a point A, the fossil the oldest fossils should only be in point A, but they found a lot of them in Asia. Huh. Which is really cool. Okay, so my next fun fact is that if you look at the genetic um sequencing of like dogs and wolves, dogs didn't come from our modern day wolves. Like you can't look at a wolf and go, Oh, that wolf right there, if you took him fourteen thousand years, he'd be a dog. That's incorrect. Actually mm. the wolves that eventually led to dogs they're extinct like those wolves don't exist anymore how um i mean probably because they were turned into dogs um so the prevailing theory right now there's a couple of theories and i'll get into those because we we don't actually have any evidence of why people did this like there aren't any sort of i mean this was fourteen thousand years ago this was pre someone writing a book about how they saw a wolf and and trained it and now it's part of the tribe so we can really kind of only guess at why we invited them to our homes we have some really educated guesses um, one of the first ones is kind of not obvious, but this sort of explains how the genetics work in that the friendliest dogs, like if you had a friendly face, um, dogs or wolves started evolving to be friendlier. Their their ears started flopping back. Their tongues got longer. Their eyes got bigger. It's like look um, friendlier. Yes, mm-hmm. because the friendlier wolves were, you know, invited into the tribes more. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't mm-hmm. know why yet. And I'll kind of get into that. But you can see a clear, you know, throughout all the bones and stuff that they found, there is a clear, like, line from, like, a wolf. And then it's, like, the ears, the cute tail, like, the the fur got a little bunchier because they were bred that way. Or not bred that way, but, you know, humans were saying, hey, you, you're cute. You can come in. You, you can't. So the cuter ones survived longer. They were the ones Hmm. that got bred. And so that's sort of how um, evolution kind of works. But um, so all the cute, friendly dogs come from cute friendly wolves that are extinct now um so here are some of the theories because again it's like well why was it like we didn't have food to share like why did we bring them in you know so there's three the first one i'm gonna go um in order of what i believe is the least likely to the most likely okay um least likely is that humans got the wolf puppies like they were like, yay, wolf puppies. We're just gonna grab these. Like that is an actual theory that's out right now. Like the Starks. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. It's exactly like. <laughs> was it like episode one? It's like yeah. It's the pilot. Episode. Yeah. It's like the pilot episode of Game of Thrones. So all of you out there pups. that watched the first episode just to see what it's all about and at least saw the pups getting adopted. But I don't. They've kind of disproven that because of the the current day wolf um, research. Like it is really hard. Oh yeah, I don't think you just you don't just grab a have wolf a friendly puppy. wolf. Right, mm. right. Um, and then also you though you'd have to assume that the parents are dead and and wolves hunt in packs, which is why also why they became such good um, friends with man because as soon as man became like the alpha male, like the wolves already like to be in packs. I just can't uh, imagine them going mm. out and plucking wolf pups. And then having the dedication and time to train them. Like right. If you're worried about food and shelter, you're not about to stick with a wolf pup 24-7. Well, maybe you're going to get to this too, but I isn't... Um, I mean, we, we got hunting dogs, so... Uh, that's my next thing. Okay. So the second theory is that humans were watching wolves hunt and then trained them to hunt alongside them. Mm. Which, you know, uh, sure. I just, I still, I can't imagine it. You know, training something... It takes such a long time right. and, you know even people mm-hmm. now you know my friends who have dogs you know i'll look across and my sister's done a really great job of training her dog and i come from a family of people who love training dogs but i've watched friends who just sort of adopt puppies that are cute and then don't train them and then they're terrible dogs like you really have to be 
you have to be so diligent to right. be able to train an animal. It takes hours and hours and hours. You have to know the discipline practices. And can you imagine disciplining a wolf to train for you? And then having the wolf give <laughs> you the food later? Like, great. Thanks. Thanks, Fido. Well, maybe they could share it, though. I mean, if the dog's doing work, too. Yeah. Just these early, early, early concepts are just really wild. Um, so then number three, and this is the most widely um, accepted theory, is that wolves are scavengers. They took the leftovers. So if you can imagine, you know, ancient tribes that were kind of around a campfire, you know, they're throwing the bones away. Wolves yeah. can actually kind of chew on those bones. And we looked at the cutest ones and said, sure, you know, fine. We're not using that. You guys can kind of come a little closer. And, and that just over centuries. Right. I think it I think it's less conscious on the part of both. Mm hmm. Species, yeah, it, if I if I'm, I'm yes. a little bit um, <laughs> projecting yeah. my some of my theories onto yours, but I'm thinking it's at a certain point there's a reason it's beneficial to the wolf mm -hmm. and a reason it's beneficial right. to the human, and that's why that's the most prevalent theory because it's beneficial to the wolf that he gets to eat the food, and for the humans they did eventually watch the wolves hunt. They had them for companionship for warmth, for protection, for being guard dogs. A lot of competing tribes, sure. you know, the wolves would bark when other people came near. So it was just such a mutual beneficial Ooh, agreement. Oh, yes. That's a weird thing. Yeah. Here's a really famous <laughs> quote from um, Larson. He says, remove domestication from the human species and there's probably a couple million of us on the planet. Max. Instead, what? what? Yeah. Instead, what do we have? Seven billion people. Climate change, travel, innovation, and everything. Domestication has influenced what? the entire earth, and dogs were the first. Well, he's talking domestication of like well, animals, of animals, like livestock. Yeah. I mean, think about how we've done it. I mean, horses Cows, to travel. I mean, horses yeah. were the first mm -hmm. method of transportation. Oh, if we didn't sure. even have horses oh, domesticated, sure. we would be nowhere. Yeah. Horses, dogs, cats, pigs, chickens. Yeah. Like those, those animals were wild. Like it's not like the first man had chickens just running like we had to domesticate these animals except that those aren't domesticated like cats and dogs are they're domesticated in the sense that they can be around humans yes but we don't like let chickens in our house right right i think the if you there's a couple of different de definitions of domestic uh -huh. so domestic being as a pet and domestic being isn't docile enough not to to, to stay in your yes. pen because technically sure. he argues mm -hmm. that pigs are domesticated. Like okay. they aren't there. They're not wild boars. They are pigs that stay in their pen. They're not pets. Well, some, I think pigs are hideous. I would never. That's true. Like I wild boars are scary pigs. probably. Would you have a teacup pig? Oh, like no. <laughs> I don't even think little... dogs are very cute. <gasps> you don't even think dogs? You think I mean, dogs, dogs are, are okay cute. Like some of them are, but a lot of them aren't. I mean, I'd say like 95% of them are adorable. Every time I, I we go say, running, I'm like, look at those dogs. And you're just sort of like, yeah. And I just yeah. sort of say, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. That's how you know if I say a dog is cute, I that know. it's actually cute. I think about maybe like, ooh, maybe a third of dogs are cute. That's a third. Oh, no, don't it's say that. It's a matter that. of opinion. Well, which, which kinds do you think are cute? The baby, like, not. Like oh, well, puppies? all puppies are okay, cute. All puppies puppies are cute. and kittens are cute. That's, but do you think... That's a un... Um, <laughs> Universal. That's, yeah. What about like big dogs, small dogs? I like a good... Oh, I don't know. Like fluffy, like German Shepherd. Uh, I, I mean, Labrador German Shepherds are pretty. I think labs are like a good <laughs> medium-sized lab <laughs> that just looks friendly and is well-trained and not too long of hair where they look crazy and they, they cannot <laughs> be slobbery. The number one reason that I hate dogs is the slobber and barking. Slobber and barking. 
Yeah, barking's rough, but if you have a well-trained <gasps> dog, they shouldn't bark. I know. And there are dog breeds that don't bark. Didn't you say one time you would even like look into like a greyhound? Like if you had to adopt the dog, yes. you'd like rescue a little. A no, I think greyhounds are I hideous. Think, but I think greyhounds are pretty. Isn't I think they're weird? pretty, but I think they're not like. And I'll get into greyhounds because those are really interesting. I am interested to know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry uh, about my aside. I've probably no. I decided. I love the. <laughs> I love dogs. I love all. I love the fluffy ones. Um. So let's go, let's bop over to Egypt because Egypt is a huge spot for dogs um, because it was also, so there's lots of different spots where we started domesticating dogs. Um, Asia, Egypt-esque being one of them. Yeah. Um, they have a, a god called Anubis. I mean, he's the, he's the, the dog place, the jackal dog. Um, oh, all yeah. of your, um, the Basenji is the, like, mm, the kind of the first dog. Yeah, I don't you don't know dog breeds, but the Basenji is like the little, it's like a dingo looking thing. It's like okay. brown uh-huh. and it's got like a sharp pointed nose. Uh-huh. I can um, So there, I'm actually going to sidebar into, there are five types of breeding in dogs, skill types in dogs. I am interested to know this. Yes. There yeah. is hunting okay. and that could include, um, I don't want people to think of hunting as like they're going out and getting like wild boars. You got to think about no, no, hunting. No, they like spot, right? Aren't they helping you? Yes, but they can also hunt? burrow. That's the thing. Okay. They can hunt for little squirrels and rabbits and oh, foxes. So don't okay. forget about the short, because that's where terriers come from. Terriers are hunting dogs. So any sort oh. of like um, little terrier type dog, they're usually like the <laughs> I hyper- didn't know terriers yeah. had to use long ago. <laughs> yes. They're the ones that are like hyperactive because they go chase all of the, uh-huh. the squirrels and things. Yeah. So that's hunting. Then there's shepherding. And you know shepherding dogs. Right. Yep. All the, the fluffy ones that kind of hang out with the sheep. Yep. Um, guarding. That guard lit- dogs. That literally shepherd. Yes. <laughs> guard dogs, which okay. are... Uh, the obvious pit bulls, Rottweilers, German shepherds, yeah. those sorts of things. Um, working dogs, which are more recent, and I will get to that. Working dogs are going to be like your therapy dogs, Labradors that hunted in the like water. Like crime dogs too, right? Yeah. I mean, drug dogs and... Yeah. Yeah, any dog that can wear a cute dogs. vest that says something on oh. it. Oh. You know, no, no, like a vest that's like a working dog, like in the airport, the dogs that have the little Yeah, vests. that's insane, but those yeah. are very highly trained dogs. Yeah. Yes, oh, for yeah. sure. And the fifth category is company dogs that were bred just to be cute <laughs> teapot <will>. poodles <laughs> teapot uh most notably the pug that- and i will uh i don't oh think it's teapot a miniature poodle but we don't okay. call any dogs teapot that's pigs teapot pigs. oh yeah you teacup. Just teapot teacup teacup, teacup pigs. pigs okay uh pugs are completely ridiculous yes and they're, they're kind of cute in a weird ugly way i mean yeah they're sad. We'll, we'll get into that. Okay. Oof. So over in Egypt, um, they have a great example of how they were starting to use dogs as working dogs. They kept people out of the tombs. They were great guard dogs. They hunted around. Um, the greyhound comes from Egypt. Um, the skinny, the long skinny, they yeah, actually yeah. come from... Are hounds hunting dogs? I, I mean, I just... Yes, hounds are hunting dogs. Um, greyhounds actually come from Salukis, which are like greyhounds, they have fur on them. You've probably seen one. Mm. Have you ever seen... You've seen 101 Dalmatians, right? Uh-huh. You know the like long-haired dog? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, like in the very beginning it, when the it, owners... It's like so shaggy, it's not touching the ground. No, not like... that one. Oh, in the okay. very beginning, all the owners are like walking with their dogs and they look like their dogs. There's yeah. one called an Afghan, which kind of looks like the Saluki. <laughs> like the like the squat lady's got the pup. Uh-huh. Um, there's an Afghan that, and also I think a um, greyhound there. Okay, but the Saluki and the greyhound come from Egypt. Okay. Um, Egypt was huge on dogs. and But dating back to 3500 BCE, there is actually a tomb painting showing a man walking his dog. Mm. Um, they wouldn't actually show that. Apparently it's in like some sealed records because I was going to toss it up. 
but it was in this tomb that they still haven't like revealed to the public yet or something like that because i was like what i want to see the egyptian walking the dog and they wouldn't show me it's the knights templar <laughs> Yeah, it's like some um, national treasure. Yeah, stuff I was just about to say national treasure because we just watched that, and I still hate Nicolas Cage. I hate him. I love um, national treasure. <laughs> I like the movie, but such I think a he's fun absurd. movie. Absurd. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next logical question is: you know, humans have started domesticating dog or wolves to be dogs. They eventually turn into dogs. Why? How did we get chihuahuas and pugs and greyhounds and Siberian huskies? Like, how do we have all these different types right. of dogs? Um, it might come as a huge surprise that the actual breeding of different types of dog breeds is only 500 years old. Well, that doesn't surprise me if you think about what humans were having to be concerned about 500 Very years ago. Very true. I, you know, I think yeah. it definitely, mm-hmm. as I'll get to a little bit, definitely has to do with when we started to have extra food, a yes. little more time, mm-hmm. you know, possibly a dwelling that wasn't a crap yeah. hole <laughs> like, you know not your tent is, right <laughs> to have inside dogs. right so the actual um definitions of, of breeds didn't come about till about 500 years ago but okay. that doesn't mean that some dogs haven't been bred across ancient lineages so the, the difficult thing about this next kind of conversation is that i can't get into it there are 400 types of dog breeds holy moly i can't do all of them um it would be too much because they all come from different spots you know the pug i'm gonna do the pug and the labrador because i felt that those were two like a pug is like a small dog um and i just happen to know a lot about um other types of breeds so i can talk a little bit about them so yeah it's really the the dutch east india trading company they started having dogs and trading dogs and in different regions we're, we're breeding them in different ways um, all you know, throughout the world, right? All throughout the world, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, because yeah. dogs go all the way over to like Alaska and like the colder places, because that's how we have all our cold types of dogs, right. our Siberian Huskies and our Malamutes. Um, when the dog breeds began to be actively developed about 500 years ago, they were kind of a, a mixing pot before then. Before they were starting to get narrowed, your dog just looked like a dog. It just looked like a mutt you would get at the yeah, pound. There yeah. wasn't like Siberian Huskies a thousand years ago. They are relatively new. Um, and then they started to be more localized, obviously. Like I just said, like the cold weather dogs sure. and the people were starting to breed dogs to go hunt their rabbits. So those dogs had to be small. They couldn't have these big dogs. So people were really starting to hone in on their um, certain types of dogs. So the five oldest dogs, the, the, like the very first dog breeds that came about, mm-hmm. um, the Saluki, like I said, it's the royal dog of Egypt. It looks like a greyhound with like shaggy hair, which the greyhound evolved out of the saluki got it the sharpay which you kind of know they're the wrinkly ones oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, i can picture them yeah mm-hmm. they came they're actually chinese and they used to protect crops they used to be kind of wrinkly to kind of hide themselves <laughs> from the crows and stuff so they would bark and protect all the crops in china that's awesome there is the akita which oh my gosh the akitas are like huge right now you know like the little they're japanese so you know the little yellow dogs like the pointy ears with the little nose kind of like a if chihuahua seen, I mean, no they're much no? bigger okay if you've seen any sort of meme right now like japanese there are these little <laughs> japanese dogs with like a curly tail okay well they're uh, I, I i mean i can kind of I'm, I'm putting together an image in my head based on what you're saying <laughs> i'm gonna show you later and you're gonna okay. be like oh my god totally okay. know what that was so the akitas are um i'm i love them they're a great dog they're actually really aggressive dogs because keep in mind dogs like them being pets actually started in China, and I will get to that. Oh. But they're they're mostly working dogs. So it it fr- I'm gonna get on my soapbox for like three seconds. 
it is so much better to to buy a dog from the pound rather than say, oh, I just love an Akita. I just love a Siberian Husky. And then you go buy this dog that is a working dog and then you don't work it. These dogs we have been breeding, for, like I said, for 500 years and we first bred them to to work because we had yes. yeah specific they, needs that because they that have they needs yeah. so nothing bothers me more than when i see people that adopt really beautiful dog breeds and then they get frustrated when they like tear up their house or they've you know they cry all the time it's like well are you running them the five miles they're used to running a day oh, like man. per day oh. um so akitas are among that where they were um guard dogs and so they're really aggressive like they're actually not nice toward people like they're they're fun and spunky and smart and but like don't get them around. They want a guard. Yeah, yeah they want a that's, guard. That's what yeah. they're for. So if you mm-hmm. if you don't train dogs properly. But the best way to counteract that is to go to the pound and get a mutt because mutts don't have that sort of inbred determination of, oh, I must guard or I must do this or I must do that. Like yeah. they're just wanting to be a dog. Well, but- not to mention they're just an animal that needs a home. Right. So... Yes. That's my soapbox. <laughs> Next, there's the Afghan hound. Like I said, that's from um, 101 Dalmatians. Like, this is this woman. She's Aww. in the brown dress, and mm-hmm. she's kind of got her nose up, and mm-hmm. the Afghan kind of looks like if you straightened a poodle. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they come from Afghanistan. Yep. <laughs> Shocking to know. Yeah. One. <laughs> and they were hunters. Um, and then the last one is actually the Alaskan Malamute for cold weather. Mm. Those are the five oldest dogs. And from those dogs, that's kind of where everything else started branching out. Oh, wow. The Malamute is where we get all our cold weather. The Malamute's like a big, it's like a Samoyed where it's like a big fluffy white dog. Okay. The ones like like I've seen in them. the snow. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Any sort of like cold weather looking dog that's, you know, Malamute or Samoyed or a Siberian, a Siberian Husky you know of, which, yeah. But the so, blue eyes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Husky yeah but have, I'm like, have, I, I know the other ones that don't have it that are the big fluffy yeah, ones. Yeah. Big mm-hmm. fluffy ones. And I guess also the St. Bernard's. I don't really know how they got to be cold weather dogs you know saint bernard yeah but they also kind of have the the um, the wrinkly face Mm -hmm. situation don't they who knows people actually selectively did that so that's a good point that's a good segue into before i i'm gonna go through pugs and go through labradors Mm because they're like two really popular dogs but people are very smart and that's kind of why it was the last 500 years as well because actually selectively breeding things is a newer concept like ancient man didn't know how to do gen- like punnett squares and genetics like they couldn't well, we just, didn't even like, know about genes or right like <laughs> that's very germs true. very for, true until pretty recently <laughs> in in our history so that's true that reminds me of outlander again we were just talking about <laughs> <laughs> well outlander is a great example for anyone who's reading it a little bit but it's a girl that's been taken from current time and she's thrown back into like i think it's like the 1400 1500s okay. so she and has modern concepts of medicine and stuff right like that. and mm-hmm. it's really cool to see it through like a modern take on what it would be like to be thrown back where people like don't know anything but yeah, yeah. the 1500s is, is kind of where they started doing all this dog stuff and learning that oh okay if i put these two dogs together this one's got the more dominant trait and so then i get us i continuously get a small dog yeah um so the pug, the pug is in the top 10 of the oldest dogs, just to make the top five. Um, huh. It was first put in the English language in 1566. So right around that 500 year mark that I was mm-hmm. talking about. Um, well, or, that was plus like or minus 700 years ago. Yeah, plus or like minus, fi- you know, yeah. less than, yeah, less than a thousand. Um, da, 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 pugs. OK, so they come from China. Um, they were documented by Confucius as early as 551 BC. Now, that doesn't mean that it was her modern day pug. It just means they were starting to breed these like small dogs. Sure. Because um, there's a there's a lot of statues of them, you know, in China, all these like terracotta, like the little. Have you not seen? You've seen the little. I've little. seen them. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> but they're not pugs. They're not like statues of modern day. Yeah. 
there's just they're just little short squat dogs yeah um the Pekingese and the lion dog were kind of their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, they were considered prized possessions by Chinese emperors. I mean, it was like something to collect. Yeah. Um, well, Pekingese, I mean, Peking is the mm-hmm. old version of the spelling of Beijing. Oh, really? So Pekin, well, Pekingese would kind of mean, I mean, that definitely is Chinese origin. I didn't know that. Word. That's mm-hmm. so cool. I just learned Peking. That's why if you have like Peking duck. Yeah. It's Beijing duck. Oh, I didn't know what it was. It's just, we... Oh. Uh, this is a side note. I'm so sorry. But we're because, supposed to side because note. Because <laughs> my degree is in history and I specifically focused on China. Uh, my, um, but you, you would, what would happen is we had to come up with spellings mm-hmm. of things that didn't have spellings because Chinese have characters. Right. So you can't just, it's not like Spanish to English oh, where it's the same alphabet. So that's why like um in the last maybe 50 years countries went back and were like uh no you kind of bastardized the way we spell this word so um that's why like um bombay is mumbai what that's the same oh my god um so my mind just mumbai is how they said it in their country but we said oh that's bombay because it just was like the closest thing we could come up with yeah and so, so it's the same with peking peking is beijing it's the same it's just that we call that oh Peking. And then at a certain point, they were like, guys, you kind of know it's Beijing. Like, it's not this. Anyway, there you go. Wow. Yeah. That That's was a great cool linguistic history. Yeah, really- <laughs> so now I know that a Pekingese is actually probably a dog from, from Beijing. Beijing. At least that would be Definitely my Chinese. that would be my assumption based um, on what I know about that language. I mean, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> so all those dogs and pugs, they were considered prized possessions by Chinese emperors. Um, the Dutch East India Trading Company, very famous, yes. um, or the East India Trading Company. Yep. They had a huge influence on the dog trade, specifically in pugs, because now that, oh, these are prized possessions, now we're going to start trading them. So they became even more of a hot commodity. Um, they kind of fell out of style in recent times until it was that one queen. Oh, my gosh. I don't have it down. There was one queen that was like obsessed with them also in England and okay. then she repopularized them. And at this point, this tiny dogs, they are not, they're pet only, right? They're, they're Gosh, sort yes. of a status symbol. Yes. They're serving a very human purpose. Yes. These fall into the companion category. Mm-hmm. And because this is a lot of inbreeding, and this is another thing why I push for like the adoption of mutts is because the more you inbreed dogs like it's the same thing as if you inbreed humans they have all sorts of problems like pugs like their squish faces are terrible for them like they can hardly breathe they have shorter lifespans like and don't they have problems with even just like their joints because their legs are so small or they can't hold up their own body weight or you Mm -hmm. know not all dogs i mean but i think that small dogs have those problems most full bride dogs are most like like 100 pure dogs have problems because they're purebred because they're inbred dogs so like uh, sorry, Great Danes are a great example of that because they're too big. Like their joints don't work properly. Yeah. So yeah, they always have like hip problems. Um, I have a cousin who has like four. She's always had Great Danes and they don't live very long and it's very sad and they have seizures and they're great, gentle, wonderful dogs, but there's problems. But yeah. so that's the pug kind of through through Chinese. Um, they're just sort of fashionable. Like that's yeah. that's the purpose of a pug. So then I also just kind of looked at the Labrador because that's a really interesting one because that's a super popular dog. They're super friendly. Um, They don't come from Labrador. They come from Newfoundland. Um, And they are water dogs. Obviously, I don't know if you knew that about Labradors, but they love swimming. Well, I mean, Newfoundland is water, right? Isn't it? I said Newfoundland. Newfoundland. You did. I mean, it's... (laughs) I don't know. Newfoundland is... 
an oh, island no. in Canada, right? Yeah. Isn't it a big? <laughs> yes. Oh, I hope it's an island. Now I feel dumb. Well, I feel dumb for pronouncing it wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least on the coast. I know that for sure. Yeah. So they were a mix of like English and Irish and Portuguese working breeds. Like they basically said, hey, all these dogs are great at like being in the water and helping us like fish and swim and grab things and do things in the water. So let's make this this one dog. And they called them Labradors. Um, they're super friendly because they were brought inside to hang out with their owners afterward. Um, their fur. So Labradors, um, we had a Labrador growing up. My parents got him. His name was Jake. Was and he lighter or dark? He was a black lab. Aww. He was adorable. However, yeah. we just didn't like, we knew about it. But, like my parents got him when we were just like 13 and teens and we weren't really interested in, in the dog. They got him a kiddie pool and he played with it. Like he he because sw- they need water like they're they're water yeah. dogs like yeah. they love swimming if you ever take like oh, a Labrador yeah, that's to the true. lake they, they they're mm-hmm. like yeah awesome we're gonna go dive I remember in. that yeah um but then after he swam in it he tore it up <laughs> pieces and like threw it all around the yard and like our neighbors were like uh you've got a kiddie pool around your yard because he like needed work like yeah the, the, yeah the kiddie he pool was, wasn't enough he was taking out his <laughs> his uh, his anxiety or his yeah. uh, pent up energy yeah pent up energy they're they're meant to work they're meant to go to go do things and they they do make great dogs because they were socialized that way and they were bred that way where when they were done working those people actually wanted them to come inside but that's not true for all dogs like some dogs like were bred to be chained up and okay you're gonna go do your work and then now you're gonna sit outside or sleep in your little doggy bed but then all the little small dogs they were bred to be small cute dogs that's exactly where they come from like yeah like the pug is a great example yeah um, they were bred to be to be companions so um that's sort of the scope of dogs we really, really have we have theories on them we, we definitely know that that humans um domesticated them independently across the world like Which we just it was just inevitable mm-hmm. that people and dogs are going to be best friends forever that's cool <laughs> uh i have two comments wasn't yes. the isn't there a pug in pocahontas that the oh my god the dude yes. the big yes that's probably the queen that i was referencing brings over yeah or, or he has like a yeah he's a character definitely a pug uh-huh and then my second thing is what you were just talking about about um dogs and their purpose what i think is so interesting there isn't a uh, criminal is a podcast that i love yeah and um shout out to criminal and uh <laughs> They have an. They did an episode on uh, d- d- crime dogs. Like once they I haven't gotten there yet. Once they great. retire, and there's this guy, um, I think in North or South Carolina, because that's where they do. Mm-hmm. Um, who has the retired dogs that live at his house, Aww. but the active dog is is like you know the one that goes to work with him every day, uh-huh. and he talks about the process of making sure that the retired dog who's past her his or her prime but still like wants yeah. has been working all their lives it's sort of like a human too when you're retired and you're like well sorry you're you're no yeah. longer you know relevant in society and so but the work that he does to make sure that that dog is still having purpose yeah but also that they he specifically would not put them near each other like they are both alpha mm-hmm. and they both they would never it's like he's cheating on them right, right? that you would never have the other dogs see the other it just is kind of like and he and they're and he, these are smart people who are doing exactly what the dogs me but you're still like oh, you're playing with my heartstrings with these dogs. so it's a it's a sweet episode about and that's um, a great example though working dogs. of working dogs mm-hmm. you know make sure that if you adopt a dog that you're prepared to work it the way it was bred yeah absolutely they be. want to mm-hmm. well, that's also about very cats. sweet i'm interested because so, they don't really have like they do have breeds breeds but uh-huh. like like um, no one's gonna ask you what your what breed your cat is oh no no you know? i mean <laughs> they'll <laughs> 
like, so there's like a short hair versus a long hair mm-hmm. or you know a tabby versus a calico but yeah they're really just um genetically very much the same and that's why a cat you know how like a cat have you ever seen when a cat has kittens I they're kind of rando like yeah. they're not there's not you know well it's mm-hmm. a black cat they're gonna have a bunch of black kittens no they're, they're just kind of that's they crazy. can kind of have any type of yeah yeah but they're all genetically the same so <clears throat> Uh, cats are fascinating. This was a great topic. <laughs> I have three cats, um, and I f- they all have vastly cute different personalities, <laughs> um, but I very much appreciate the cat. So I did mention a little bit of this at the top of the episode. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to be a longer episode, I guess, because we've already yeah. talked about I know. Dogs it's for just a really we, long We're both such pet people. We knew this was going to be a big topic yeah. when we did it, but um, as we mentioned before, um, the there is a difference between a tame animal and a domesticated animal. Um, and so there, the, and the main reason that we would domesticate an animal is because there's some type of symbiotic relationship beneficial for, there you go. Beneficial for both parties, uh, develops. And then that relationship is intentionally reinforced by a human. So it sort of starts the quote giant gears of the domestication process. And that's, this is from a popular science article, Mm -hmm. just, clarifying that you can't just take in a wild animal and try to have it be a pet which is why it'll be a problem with like people who try to you know the illegal trade of like big cats you know they're they're not your house cat there's a lot of cute videos like on reddit and stuff where like people are like playing with wolves and playing with like tigers and stuff like which you know it's cool to see to learn but like don't do that like unless you were just like a professional like you you were like right i am never gonna have a bond with a tiger like no so there was something that they did directly or indirectly that benefited humans and then were bred to keep doing so so really the best examples i mean the really things we have as house pets are cats and dogs right Mm -hmm. which is which is why they're (laughs) So jointly um, part of this episode title. So National Geographic says overall cats became domesticated companion of humans without changing much, um, says evolutionary geneticist and um, co-author of this article that I'm going to kind of reference throughout Mm -hmm. um, the my my blurb um, that er, her name is uh, Eva Maria Giegel. Giegel. Uh, Domestic cats look similar to wild cats. Um, but they aren't solitary, tolerating both humans and other cats. So a wild cat does kind of have its own, you know, le- unlike dogs, they're not necessarily in packs. Yeah, they're not. Um, or wild dogs, packs, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, wolves and things like that. So a, a wild cat wouldn't, is solitary, and a domestic cat is tolerable to our us and other cats mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes dogs, <laughs> if they deign to, yes. you know, allow the dog to do that. So the timeline of cats, uh, domestication of cats is going to start in the Fertile Crescent time period hmm. uh, about 12,000 years ago, which is when we stopped becoming hunter-gatherers only and started farming as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, and really that's one of the main reasons that dogs being domesticated is older because people were going out and hunting yes and dogs are good at assisting with that activity it's the difference of fourteen thousand years ago and twelve thousand years ago like that's a two thousand year right difference and the funny thing about even twelve thousand years ago is okay so we we have we start domesticating plants and animals because humans are staying in, in one place um but technically there's not really a lot of evidence that we've been domesticating cats for that long, Hmm. right? So 12,000 years ago is really when we started staying in one place. 
um, for reasons I'll get to, cats becoming, you know, come into contact. But it's been really hard to scientifically prove based on like archaeological evidence that's that old. Most evidence points closer to about 8,000 years ago. So mm-hmm. we have definitive evidence from 8,000 years ago that cats were uh, living alongside humans in this symbiotic relationship. Um, what happened was uh, we had some surplus grains and messy humans and grains uh, grains stocked up attracted mice yeah. and rats, which attracted cats. Where did the cats come from? I mean, they were just there, but they were wild, remember? So some... they were, there were wild cats. Yeah, of course. There's wild not... cats. There's, yeah, cats are wild. But like yeah. a wild cat to me, if I picture like what a wild cat looks like, it doesn't look like my fat cat. For um, sure. Like it looks like it's got like a, I'm, I'm picturing a wild cat looking more like a bobcat. Like it's some, like a bigger yeah. kind oh, of no, but meteor I mean, pod. Mm, I think you'd be surprised though if you look really? up a wild cat. And I put a couple of images um, that will be on the website. Um, hmm. I pulled a couple of images to show you. Like there's literally a photo that I saved <laughs> that looks like my cat Shosh. Oh my God. And it's a wild cat. Um, huh. It's just slightly bigger, but it's not big like a lion. Right, you know? right. It's, well, like a, like a bobcat. Mm-hmm. Bobcats are like mm-hmm. medium sized. A mountain, you know, a mountain cat or, or mm-hmm. a mountain lion. You know, like they're. Okay. It, so if you think about that, eight thousand years ago, yes, we domesticated them so they right. got slightly smaller <laughs> and cuddlier. Mm-hmm. But technically, there were wild cats around, and they were very good rodent chasers. Interesting. And rodent I missed that part. I was thinking you were about to take me from how like tigers became cats, but I guess there uh-uh. are different types of. Oh no, they've cats. been. They've yeah. yeah, wild cats have been. In fact, the one image of the cat that looks like Shosh that will be on the website is the specific breed um, or the specific like father of what are hmm. our domesticated our domestic cats, and it's the something Ooh. something wild cat, okay. and it looks like a domestic cat in my Interesting. opinion mm-hmm. it's not like you know it doesn't look like the fluffy ones or the siamese ones or the you know the really beautiful <laughs> the coated main ones. it just looks the, like yeah. a you know kind of a, a wild cat yeah like my cat <laughs> um so basically uh the began they began to hang out cats began to hang out around these human settle- settlements because the they knew there were going to be mice and rats it was super mm-hmm. easy prey and the humans figured out that this was really handy uh so they didn't discourage their presence so basically the smithsonian magazine article on this puts it really well they said the cats were delighted by the abundance of prey in the storehouse and people were delighted by the pest control <laughs> So pretty much at that point, uh, humans were like, eh, you're all right. You can can stick around. Um, And so this is, I mentioned 8,000 years ago, there is definitive archaeological evidence of a cat, of cat bones found on the island of Cyprus, which is um, humans were living there. It's like they were found with humans. And there is an island. So there is no reason for a cat to be there if a human didn't bring it there. Mm, that's true. Making, I mean, because you're not going to bring a, I mean, cats are already <laughs> temperamental enough. Yeah. You're not going to bring a wild cat on a long boat journey. Right. You're probably going to bring a domesticated animal. Mm-hmm. So that's definitive evidence, one. Um, definitive evidence, two, is this village in China, um, Quan Hutsun, that uh, they found archaeological remains here. And this is actually within the last couple of years that stuff, reports of um, like scientific publications have come out on this discovery because they found some bones that previously had just been, um, like this was the first like, okay, this theory we've been thinking of is actually true because they found very old cat bones. 
suggesting like the cat itself had lived a long life, suggesting that it wasn't either being killed in the wild or that people were letting it live longer. Right. And the second thing, um, and these bones were found in with the human, you know, yeah. like when they're buried where, together. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And the second one was bones of um, a cat that had clearly been its diet had been the grains. <laughs> so, so clearly this cat was yeah. like, ah. Oh, I don't even have to kill these mice. I could really just <laughs> hang out with this human and this human will yeah. feed me. And so that was about um, 5,300 years ago. So if you think about the 8,000 years ago being the f- remains of the cat on Cyprus, indicating some sort of domestication, and then this was mm-hmm. remains at this village where the settlement was. Right. Um, and the reason that this is significant too is um, because, and it's mentioned somewhere in my notes that I'll probably get to, but Really, cats genetically are not that different from wild cats. What? So, like, that it's been really hard for scientists to figure out if when they find bones of a cat, if it's domestic or not. <gasps> because literally, okay, here it says on genetic makeup. Genetic makeup shows, quote, no major significant, no major difference, end quote, from wild cats. And this also makes it hard for archaeologists digging up bones to know whether the animal skeleton was domestic or not because the cats are basically the same this is very unlike dogs yes because dogs are completely Mm -hmm. different bone structure i didn't even mention that but dogs actually evolved to have three different types of skulls also like there are different types of dog skulls different stomachs different all of it yeah cats don't crazy mm, cats don't have that so man doesn't that feel like really indicative of like their personality? <laughs> like, like a dog course. is like, here, here is everything about me. And the cats are like, mm, we're the same. Yeah. Good, good luck figuring good it luck out. Good luck with that. Yeah. So there was in 2017 uh, in the journal Nature, Ecology and Evolution, um, they published uh, this comprehensive study of DNA of cats going back 9,000 years. And it confirmed that their genes have changed very little from that of wild cats. so crazy. And that they have, quote, lived for thousands of years alongside humans before they were domesticated. And it's like genetically the same. So, yeah. Crazy. So um, that is the basic reason for cats being domesticated is that they served a very um, efficient purpose. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then, um, so we have this proof in China. Um, we know that these bones are significant um, because of, like I said, the very old cat and the cat that lived off grains, suggesting they were mm-hmm. symbiotic with the yep. humans. Buds. Um, from that point, we let them in. So then um, the, from the Smithsonian article, they, they say, um, quote, cats and uh, the cats invited themselves in and over time as people favored cats with more docile traits certain yeah. cats adapted to this new environment producing dozens of breeds of house cats known today so basically we were like similar to what you were saying about the cute wolves is we were mm-hmm. like oh yeah this cat just likes to lay in the sun mm-hmm. this cat can hang, can hang out with me <laughs> right like this cat can come yeah, inside yeah this one's not gonna claw me up right like, and this- so- <laughs> Yes. And so in the United States, uh, this is still the quote from Smithsonian. In the United States, cats are the most popular house pet with <gasps> no. 90 million domesticated cats slinking around 34% of U.S. homes. Nuh-uh. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed of US dogs. Homes. Well, think about you and me. I know, but mine are an accident. Like, <laughs> but you have cats, man. I think a lot of I think a lot oh. of people own cats by accident because yeah. if the cat like shows up at the house and you're like, well, this cat's nice. It goes outside yeah, sometimes. I feed it now. sometimes, and now it lives here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's super. Even if you think about it, like we have a couple of 
feral cats that have been um, like spayed or neutered in our neighborhood, but they don't have a home and they're, we Aww. just see them around and um, that would never happen with dogs. You know what I mean? I think that either they would get turned in or stuff. I mean, these cats just specifically yeah. don't have homes. Well, when when dogs go wild, they form packs and then they get aggressive. Mm, yeah. That's the thing. So if, you, if okay. you've ever been around, because it, it happened in my neighborhood growing up, there, oh, was, a, there was a pack of wild. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what happens. You know, dogs don't, they, they do... Those they're not solitary traits. Yeah. They're not mm-hmm. solitary. They mm-hmm. form into packs and then they need to hunt. Like they need to yeah. find food differently, like different from True. how cats find food. Yeah. And they do that by being aggressive and being bullies together. And so yeah. you kind of can't you have, to, have wild yeah. dogs. So, but these, these cats, uh, and actually I'll get to this in a second. Some of the more modern things on cats, but you know, that feral cat isn't, don't, I mean, maybe get it spayed or neutered, but don't feel bad for it. That cat, you know, they're awesome it's been living at- <laughs> on its own. <laughs> They're good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can occasionally feed it. And some of them obviously are going to still want more human interaction, but mm-hmm. some of them are like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, right. stay away from me. I'll stay away from you. I'm over here. I'm good. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> apparently, uh, eventually we industrialized and we had a better hold on our rampant rodent problem. And so that's also when cats shifted to being more of a companion than a hunter of mice. Um, however, it should be noted that in many parts of the world, they still perform this very yeah. Oh, yeah. Effective barn, barn rodent cats. control, um, and um, like that's why I got my cats. cats. Oh yeah, and, yeah, cats. yeah. Oh yeah. Like I got and, my cats because I had a rat in my apartment. Well, yes. I'll put that out there on they, the podcast. I don't think I knew that officially. Oh yeah, I've I've told you that story. But you, yeah, I mean, I know you I mean, how was, you like kind of accidentally came home with one and then and then brought the other one. Well, but I, I don't think I knew it was because I got of a little rat cat problem. because of a rat problem. I had this giant. We're gonna sidebar because it's like, did she I, catch I it? I'll get there. I'll I'll make it brief. I'll make it brief. I had this giant, horrible rat, and I know because I saw it. Ooh. It chewed through all of my Tupperware, all of my food, everything. I had to start keeping my food in my fridge and in my microwave and in my my, my oven because it chewed through the cupboards. Like it knew how to get to everything. Oh my gosh. Um, it chewed through a bottle of Zycam, you know, that like really like, it was like a super rat. Like, I mean, Did you try traps and stuff? Oh yeah. So I called the apartment up. I'm like, hey, I've got a rat. <laughs> and it left droppings just everywhere. Everywhere, just droppings. Um, so I call the apartment up. They're like, okay, well, we'll send out some traps. We'll send out some traps. So the rat, it's like, thanks for the cheese. Great. Like, it just ignored all the traps. Oh, my gosh. Um, they sent- but it got the cheese? Oh, yeah. It, got, it was oh. it was a super rat. It, it had eaten all of my Zycam. Like, it ate an entire bottle of those pills, which are, like, cold, like, like you know, like, immune boosters. So I think it was, like, <laughs> and it was massive. Um, shoot through all my food. This, this goes on for six months where we're setting out traps. We're setting out things. They're putting steel wool. I start to get peppermint because I hear that they don't like peppermint. So I sprinkle peppermint all around. Um, so finally I call up the apartment complex and I'm like, Hey, I've done my research. Oh like my rats hate cats and cats hate rats. So I'm getting a cat and you're not going to charge me a pet fee. You're going to just let me have this cat. Cause they, I have this rat. And at this point they had like thrown their hands up. They were like, fine, we'll wave the pet fee, get a cat, whatever. And I could like feel them rolling their eyes. But then the next week, little cat chased that rat <gasps> into a trap. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! Yeah, that's that's a good. That's that is good why on I have cat. little cat, Aww. and then I have fat cat because the place where I adopted little cat called me up and was like, "Hey, there's only one left. Like, come get her. It's her sister. They are sisters. So yeah, she was there. Like, it's not. She's like." No one wants her. She's got a bum leg. Like, come get her. Aww, yeah. Did you? And did you should tell everyone their alternate names. Oh, yeah. Their their real names are Kaylin and Missy. Oh, no. I'm oh. a favorite cat and least favorite <laughs> oh, cat. Oh, favorite cat, least favorite cat. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that on air. Yeah. They're, you don't they have do to identify have which names. one is which. <laughs> 
Uh, they do have actual real names, but we've kind of renamed them over time to be yeah. more suitable because little cat and fat cat. But Aww. I do prefer one over the other <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I mean, so that that goes to show that like cats exactly. still have that They're instinct. Still like, doing that, yeah. I like she chased that rat like like I think the rat got like frenzied and freaked out, and also like their scent, like the, the scent of a cat scares is, them like, off. Scares yeah. them off and makes yes. them all crazy and wonky. Yes. So they still have definite. They are instincts. definitely inclined to kill those small animals that's not changed much um even though now we get a little annoyed when they try to bring in a dead animal into the house we're like hey excuse you i know we invited you in but we did not invite in that gross uh like intestines coming out of that i'm so sorry it's real uncomfortable it may whenever shosh shosh is our hunter and then our other two cats will start to gang up on the animal once shosh has like done the damage but the but the thing is it makes me so upset because i don't want to discourage her from her natural inclination yeah but also i'm like shosh we don't need you to kill that like it was fine (laughs) we're in a society now where you don't have yeah she doesn't know though she just kills it and then oh brings it in oh (laughs) she has it in a little her little mouth. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> oh man. Sorry guys. So I'm surprised that they're so genetically similar and uh-huh. so state remains yep, so. Definitely, definitely. And then um notably, I think what's interesting is only in the last seventy years. Seventy. Since like World like War two II. Digits. Yeah, like Seven the thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, have cats, have there even been cats that only were inside? Because think about <gasps> this. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that cats might still be so much like cats mm-hmm. were, you yeah. know, eight to five thousand years ago, is that um, we we don't really have the infrastructure for them indoors. Um, so, like, if you think about a cat, because a dog has to always go outside, but a, but a cat can exist mm-hmm. inside. You know, um, we really only developed cat food um, in what? this kind of twentieth yeah. century era. Um, where we would have a surplus of extra fresh meat or fish because unlike dogs, which you mentioned this as well, and this is probably another one of the reasons that they're genetically, you know, the different stomachs <laughs> yeah. thing, is that unlike dogs um, who can survive on an omnivorous diet, cats haven't changed and still require a high-protein diet. So cats can live off meat alone, and even in the wild, hmm. they don't even need a bowl of water because they're getting all of their oh. all of their water from what they eat. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's actually where I think there's a thing that you're not necessarily supposed to keep the water near the food because in um, a cat's mind in the wild, things near what they eat might be contaminated and they wouldn't drink the water anyway. It's a whole thing. Yeah, mine get really weird about water. First Uh of all, they drink way too much water, which I think is weird. Like Maybe I need to change their diet. But also they try to cover their water more than they like to cover the food so i'll find like my dish towels <laughs> that they have carried off the kitchen and put them put it over the water that's weird but i wonder if that goes like i thought it was because they're trying to protect it but it might make sense that they were worried about it but Be possibly being contaminated yeah i'll wake up and there's like that they yeah think that they're eating but they're not <laughs> yeah they're, they're that's they're so, so strange um uh, yeah, so there's so cat food. Um, they still require high protein diet. So until we had like can like canned food or things that were more meat based. I mean, I know you can feed your cat dry food, but I think it's still technically um, mostly meat. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of grain in that food. You're supposed to check and for it. Yeah, yeah, and you're su- also really supposed to give them wet food. Like I think 
The vets are always saying that the worst oh, wet food is better than the best yes, dry food I've and, heard you know, all of that stuff. So, and I know times. you've had problems with if your cats aren't digesting well, the first thing they'll tell you is... Well, mine get UTIs from okay. just dry food, so I do have to give them wet food every so often. Got to. Yeah. Yeah, but that's one of the things. Uh, second, crucially, would be kitty litter. So up until the 1950s, uh, cats roamed neighborhoods freely using the great outdoors as their litter area. <laughs> um, pans filled with the dirt or newspaper were maybe used by some pet owners. Um, but then when clay litter was introduced in f- 1947 is when we had um, cat litter. Uh, Tidy Cats brand, it was actually inadvertently discovered by this dude, Edward Lowe, <gasps> who worked at his father's company in, I think, Indiana. And they provided sand, sawdust, and clay to a lot of heavy industry. So they were like, you know, for cleaning up like oil spills and like really a lot of chemical heavy industry type stuff. And they had this random uh, shipment of like sample clay that a company had sent them that um, like to say like, hey, check out our product. But they were already um, bound under contract to this other clay supplier so it just sat there and languished and then one of his acquaintances was like hey do you happen to have any ideas for some a way I could like uh maintain my pet waste in my house like you know and he was like why don't you try this clay and it what grew cat litter bonus origin (laughs) bonus origin cat cat litter. litter yep what? So that definitely led to the popularity of having an indoor only pet that truly didn't go outside because you could have its litter box and a cat naturally will cover its you know Oh yeah, um, waste like it's, it, it'll. Mm-hmm. It, it's. I mean, that's why they're. They kind of are already clean and know how to do that. But it. It would just be like dirt or sand out in the wild. Mm-hmm. They'll do that, and so um and you know that's they just do the same thing inside. Wow, in a nice little litter box. Crazy. Yes, and then lastly, up until about in, I think they said. Uh, before the 1930s, you would have been really hard pressed to find a veterinarian who would know who would have had the technology or the know-how to spay or neuter a cat. And so spaying and neutering of cats really only came about in that time period when people, I think, I mean, because I think all of this was starting to be a nuisance for people who maybe wanted to keep their cat not constantly pregnant um, because that would be a really hard um, when uh, mating season you like mm-hmm. couldn't like if, uh, um I mean I've heard horror stories about a cat that's not spayed or neutered like when they want to mate they're they just go crazy. nuts yeah. and so you don't want you don't want crazy <laughs> in your life right um it's hard enough trying to keep um human life right not from being crazy so they um spaying neutering became a thing and then that also made it the more modern you know a, a cat that might have all the things we think of today like their litter and their little wet food and they don't have to wow. go outside they can lay in the sun they have that is know, so are having babies and that's really only been since about the 30s the 30s mm-hmm. that is to so 50s slash 50s yeah. like or we'd have an, an indoor only cat but that's i think was interesting to me just because it's not the i mean there's obviously the very old stuff but we things we take for granted like being able to go and get some food and some litter for your cat i mean people were living Mm-hmm. having cats as pets way before they had those things so crazy yep that's i think that's mostly what i wanted to say on cats i covered um i think i covered everything i wanted to yeah, oh that's... one note um on cats in culture so you talked a little bit about the ancient egyptians yeah and there is you know ancient egyptians oh, yeah. famously cats, revered too. cats well doc um there is a uh there's a burial site where they discovered over 300 
thousand mummified cats in thousand? in ancient 300, Egypt. 300,000. 300, so clearly they loved their cats. Oh they my were gosh. putting them in a cat uh that's kind of creepy. Oh my god. And mummified, like and mummifying yeah. them. So Yeah, that's the thing. Using your resources preserved. to actually mummify mm-hmm. them. They did the same with dogs yep. because they like yep. would guard guard them in the afterlife yep. and stuff. Yep. And so, pets are ancient. Yes. And the ancient Romans viewed them as a symbol of liberty. I mm. didn't really expand on this, but I like to think it's because they're so independent. <laughs> <laughs> I will do my own thing. Thank you. Uh, and then throughout the Middle Ages, cats carried the connotation in Europe of kind of witchcraft superstition, mm. um, which is actually a notable uh, factoid that you can share at parties, I think, <laughs> because they killed, Europeans would kill so many cats that that is one of the reasons that they attribute the plague spreading is because oh, there were all these rodents yeah. that weren't being killed off by cats. Dang. Yep. That's rough. So that's just a brief, like some of the notes on cats and, you know, society yeah. and sort of their perceptions no that's great and i think this episode really highlighted like the the cliche about cats and dogs and that dogs are really friendly and cats are really you know aloof but that's because we bred them that way uh-huh. like cats They're... never changed and dogs we actually literally uh-huh. bred to love us yep. so that is yep. exactly why dogs are super friendly yep. and nice because we did that to exactly them. and actually the one notable exception is the the stripes and spots of the tabby cat that came mm. that came about in the Middle Ages specifically in domestic cats. It wasn't mm. a, a a coat uh, t- type from wild cats. So the tabby cat well. is apparently specifically domestic, but well, ge- genetically it's it's very much the same. It just looks different. So that's awesome. How about that? I can't imagine fat cat doing anything wild. <laughs> she just lays. Yeah. She just that's all that's what she yeah. does. She She's lays got her sunny yeah. spot. She mo- and not even sunny. She finds the like the, the fluffiest blanket that's currently on the couch, Aww. and then like literally, I have left for meetings in the morning and come back hours later, and she's still in the same yeah spot oh like, my i'm like what are you doing my cat avery avery is my oldest cat and she is um she used to climb lots of trees and she was a very active cat in her first like Aww. five years and she <laughs> now she just really loves to lay i mean she's she Aww. still does stuff she still goes outside she just lays in the sun when she's out there <laughs> um but she uh will get under our covers like of our bed when it's cold out like right now Aww. and then we'll get up and she'll just play <laughs> under the covers. And yesterday it was like probably one twelve thirty or one PM and we went to our bedroom for a moment and we're like, Oh my gosh, Avery is still Aww. under the covers. <laughs> Come on, Avery. That's we all sweet. have to get up. You can it's get up. It's their too. choice though. They don't they're not as dependent. Well yep. that's super fascinating and I yes. was really excited to cover it because it was kind of one of our, our first episodes. Exactly. Our first episode ideas. So Yes. So share uh, right in. I do think this is one where if you think that we got something wrong or miss an important thing, mm-hmm. I think this is a topic that people <laughs> really, you know, they we love our pets. And so if you mm-hmm. feel like you need us to add anything, we will definitely um, maybe yep. plug it on an, another episode. Yep. Right in. Thanks for listening, guys. Visit us online at theoriginsofpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at the Origins of Podcast. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash theoriginsofpodcast. This podcast was produced in Atlanta, Georgia by Johnny Stubbs.